Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alamin. Wassalatu wassalamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. We live in a time and an age where parents are now more than ever sitting down and considering homeschooling. Uh, more than ever we're seeing children leaving the formal schooling sector, the 7.30 to 3 p.m. type of structure, whether it's the Muslim school, government, private school, uh, etc. And many children now being homeschooled for various reasons, both in primary and in high school. Today we're looking at the concept of homeschooling and if this change is easy to adapt to. Our guest today is an author, psychotherapist, Islamic psychology practitioner, educationist and consultant. Our guest today is Sheikh Saeed Malizani on the topic, the Islamic homeschooling system. Sheikh, assalamu alaikum and welcome to Radio Islam. And jazakumullah khair for, for being with us today and we are looking forward to learning more about this from you inshallah. So, Sheikh, when we speak about Islamic homeschooling, what does this term Islamic homeschooling mean? And secondly, why are we seeing this increasing need for an Islamic homeschooling curriculum? When we speak about homeschooling, I just uh, define homeschooling first and we we, we add Islamic homeschooling. So when we're talking about homeschooling, we're basically talking about a schooling that is done in a home environment, whether the parent does it by themselves or someone else does it in their home, when they have a small group of uh, children or students which we would tutor or would teach uh, in the home. So when it comes becomes an Islamic schooling, we're looking at uh, the setup there, we're looking at the teacher who is teaching or the teachers who are teaching the Muslims. And we can even go uh, further and look at the curriculum and say it's a curriculum, Islamic curriculum. Uh, uh, and why we are doing that, why Islamic schooling is becoming a thing is because obviously we're looking at the safety of the children. Usually when we're looking at the safety, we look at everything else and we usually forget to the spiritual safety of the children. So this is where Islamic homeschooling comes in, where we say our children are not safe, um, uh, you know, spiritually, so if they can learn from a homeschooling uh, environment that is controlled because, I mean, there's few children there and the parents can liaise with the homeschoolers and can discuss with them uh, and this, the, the parents can see what is in the curriculum and can discuss with the homeschooler and say, we think this uh, content is inappropriate and, you know, we think that you should teach more of this to children and I see this happening and it's actually um, helpful. For the children, I think this is what what the homeschooling, Islamic homeschooling, is. And uh, also, when you look at the uh, homeschooling, Islamic homeschooling curriculum, you find that this relationship between the um, the relationship and communication between the parent and the homeschooler it helps because they have to decide exactly what the child uh, can learn, unlike the school um, setup. And also, there's flexibility of the times. Uh, which means also the children can be able to practice their salat, maybe, I mean, in terms of their salah and so on and so forth. And also parents, like I already mentioned, they already know what the children are learning and they discuss this with the children. So it's a safer environment if you'd like to look at it that way. Mm. 
Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Um, many parents think about homeschooling as an option, but they may be unsure if they can manage, if they can cope, right? Being the parent and then being the teacher, those are two different types of hats to wear. It can be overwhelming. Uh, what advice do you have for parents um, about this, wearing the hat of being the teacher and parent? Do they complement each other? Uh, will there be conflict? How can, yeah, and, and, and can parents manage to do this to help their children be homeschooled and, and wear those two hats at the same time? Actually, these two hats are supposed to complement each other, but we're looking at, I'm saying supposed because we're looking at where we're coming from and where we're going, which means we're looking at originally, Islamically, if you look at it, the mother is, is known as, the, in Arabic they say, the mother is the, is the school, which means the mother is like the school, basically the mother is the school. And when you look at the Ummah, when you say the Ummah, because education is all about building a formidable Ummah, right? When you use the word, in the spirit, deliberately using the Arabic word Ummah instead of community, it comes from the word um, which means mother. Which means the mother, uh, not only the mother does not do this by themselves, obviously the mother needs the support of the father, but the mother, Allah has given the mother uh, a nature in nature, you know, where she can do the tarbiyas of the children naturally at the time the children are born and the, and the time they grow. And when you when you look at this psychologically, it is also proven that, you know, um, the children, they develop, they call through developmental stages, at each stage, there is something that they need to acquire, um, and if they do not acquire that, they will suffer a conflict. And that conflict, unfortunately, gets carried over to another stage, and another stage, and another stage, and you find you have adults who are not functioning well in the community, in that ummah that we're talking about. So, if, for example, you look at the first two years, uh, the mother is, the nature is, is supposed to be a, the most intense, where the mother is bonding with the child, and the mother is... Uh, the attachment is strong with the child. And that attachment and bonding, this research shows us that it carries over in adulthood how people are going to behave, those who are securely attached, how they're going to behave with others, and so on and so forth. And it's unfortunate in this day and age that we have uh, the, the, the role of the parents has, has actually been changed. We've forgotten what our role is as parents. So I'm mentioning this just to prove that then these two heads can can be worn simultaneously. They, they actually, it's, 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 it's possible. Because when we're talking about teaching children, we're not only specifically talking about teaching them what is in the curriculum. Especially when you're talking Islamic men manners themselves teaching mm -hmm. children, you know, teaching the, ch the children to eat with the right hand also is part of that. But do we have the time to do that? Is the question I'm going to leave here right now. And uh, that, to answer the question of whether the, that, uh, the parents can uh, be able to do the homeschooling, will it be overwhelming or not? Uh, we must understand that the homeschooling services usually provide support uh, in the form of a tutor sometimes. And, and sometimes they give guidelines in the curriculum. And always, uh, they, they always give, they always ready to answer the questions if you are using that curriculum particularly. So you can always go back to the, um, uh, the, the organization, whether it is a curriculum provider or it is a tutoring service. And, and ask them for guidance and support, and they can always help. And coming back to the issue we were discussing about uh, parents, we need to uh, take back our role as parents because what we have done, we have 
um, relegated this role to the schools, to the kirsch, to the nanny, to the madrasa, the sheikh uh, in, 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 the, in, the, in the upper, and to the phones and the games, the PS4, PS5, whatever these games names are. And we have done all this to, to relegate these to all these except to ourselves. And I think we have to ask ourselves the question, to us, what extent have we neglected our primary duties? And to what extent are we willing to contribute to the tarbi of our children? Because we must look at the education of our children and say, this is tarbi, this is nurturing of our children. Spirituality comes from that as well. And we can't 100% relegate it to other people or delegate it to other people and we sit back 100%. It will not work. Then when they become youth, uh, when they become young adults, we start struggling with them, we start going to psychology, we start going to chefs, and to say that maybe my child, uh, he needs Tawis, or probably needs Rukia, maybe something is wrong with him, but it is, we must ask ourselves the question, are we putting enough tarbiya into the children as fathers and mothers, or are we just sitting back and letting this education system do this? So, it is imperative that we become part of the learning of our children, whether they are in the home school or they are in the government school or they are in the private school or Muslim school. We must ask ourselves the question, what role am I playing as a parent? Do I know what my child is learning? And am I nurturing my child spiritually as well? Because it is my duty as a parent. Mm, absolutely. So much for us to, to reflect and think about always. I'm very grateful for that, Chef. You always bring up points that... You know, often we sweep under the carpet, we don't talk about it, we don't address it, and we're very grateful for that today, absolutely. So many benefits to homeschooling. Many people have seen that since the lockdown with the pandemic. People have moved from the formal schooling to homeschooling, and people are often surprised that their children were thriving uh, in this homeschooling system. Why is that so? Especially for someone who's considering it, what would you say? Why is it that children, students are thriving in these systems? Homeschooling is very safe. Uh, we're talking general safety. Uh, we're talking mm. uh, bullying is uh, literally very uh, less or not there at all. Uh, children suffer from this peer pressure in the homeschooling environment. Children are not um, uh, exposed to drugs in the, school envir in the homeschooling environment. And role modeling is, happens more in the, school, in the homeschooling environment because it's basically uh, someone down the road that you know is homeschooling your child or you are homeschooling your child again uh, yourself. And we go back to the point where we were discussing about instilling spirituality in the child because you know who's teaching your child. So there's the issue of this person role modeling uh, your child. And you find also that um, there's a lot of flexibility. There's flexibility with time. Um, and there's individual attention that is given to the to the children because these these are small classes so the teacher gets to know each each child and each child's needs and each child's needs are therefore met and there's also better understanding of students after some time from the same teacher and i i believe also uh this particular teacher or these few teachers start playing a role as, uh, as a parent as well um uh, in, in, in for, for the children so it is also very beneficial and it is a relaxed environment. It is a homely environment, relaxed environment, and there's flexibility in the curriculum. Like we mentioned, that the parents can actually discuss with the homeschooler what uh, is in the curriculum and what should be taught to the children. Mm -hmm. And there's really uh, no pressure like we get in the normal schooling environment where children have to leave very early and they carry very heavy bags and they, they have loads of homework when they come back and they come back very late and they're already tired which is, is tiring on the body, it's tiring on the mind as well. 
but you don't find it in the homeschool. So these are some of the advantages you find in the homeschool, especially the Islamic homeschooling with Islamic ethos within it. That's why this is something that our parents should consider and go for. Inshallah. Inshallah. Um, Sheikh, you know, one of the biggest issues that we as parents are facing um, is um, having our children be more conscious of their deen, be more aware of their duty to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their Islamic identity. Uh, as someone who works uh, actively within our communities, um, who works within the field of mental health amongst Muslims as well, um, as a community leader, faith-based wise, alhamdulillah, what would your advice be to parents about how can we help and support our children to be more conscious of their deen, to be more mm. conscious of their duties to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That's uh, a topic we, we, inshallah, we need to discuss uh, another day, uh, I mean, at a greater length, but the shorter answer to, to this is uh, what I mentioned earlier on, that you find that psychologists have mentioned, uh, is particularly developmental psychologists have mentioned that children develop in, in different ways. And Islam is not short of that. You find in the, in the Quran and in the Hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, we also have been given hints on these developmental stages of children and what is expected at each, at each stage, which means what is expected from parents to offer or to help children at each stage. So just an example that I gave earlier on, you find that the Quran will tell us that um, the, the, the maximum period of breastfeeding children is two years. And when you go to modern psychology or Western psychology, you find that it's supporting this by, say, by tell, telling you that this is the period of uh, crucial attachment. It happens at the age of two years. So the children at that a particular age, they develop trust. And if they don't develop trust, uh, trust from the caregiver, which means the mother, and if they don't develop trust, they will have a conflict of mistrust. So just an example of that stage alone, what happens is that the, whatever trust or mistrust that they, they gain at that stage, it gets carried over into adulthood. They become a trusting adult or a mistrusting adult. So it goes on with the stages like that. So what you find, what is interesting is um, at the, stay, in the first seven years of the child, um, I was reading a, a, a paper, an article by Bruce Lipton. He's a, uh, he's a biologist. So he says that the first seven years of a child are called the imprinting stage or imprinting period, right? So which means that he's saying that their brain is basically at the theta mode. So in simple ways, it means the brain of the child at that time, they are merely absorbing everything that is happening around them in the environment. So what that means mm -hmm. is that they learn by, like we, we spoke about role models, they, they learn by modeling, they learn by looking at what the parents are doing at home, what the people in the environment are doing at the age, the first seven years. It is as if they are hypnotized. He says, you use the other word of hypnosis, it's as if they're hypnotized. They don't, they don't, they're not doing it consciously. So they, they usually, they learn most of the time subconsciously. What they're learning goes in the subconscious. So why I'm bringing this in is, Parents usually worry about the children when they grow up later on when they are 15. So I'm saying in this early years, this is a crucial years where we are in that sub, where they're learning in, sub, in the subconscious level, where we're supposed to be teaching them uh, Islamic morals, you know, eat with the right hand, make salah, you know, leave the dua before you speak, mm. leave the dua when you wake up. So, so that goes in the subconscious in the first seven years. Now look at this. 
this is what the psychologists and biologists say. But then the Prophet ﷺ comes and says that teach your children to make salah at seven and you punish them for not making salah at ten. Now, this is crucial because the seven years that we are discussing when they're learning things subconsciously and automatically. So now the Prophet said, now you teach them salah at seven, which means before this age of seven, the question is how much have you taught them of who is Allah and the Quran and the Hadith and you know how much of Aqaid is instilled in your child at the age of before the age of seven? Because for them to pray, like the, the Prophet and the Hadith is saying, they have to, they must have known who Allah is because you can't obey some of that people don't know, right? So they need to know Allah. If they know Allah, they will be able to love Him. If they love Him, they will be able to obey Him and praying to Him becomes easy. So in, 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 in short, what I'm trying to say is we need to understand these stages. That's why I was saying earlier on this discussion for another day, inshallah, because it's in-depth. We need to understand these stages so that we actually uh, in, uh, implement what needs to be implemented at its specific, its specific ages. So that when the children come of age, we're not uh, having problems, we're not, not having to rush around. Because they, if they miss something in their development of stages, it is very difficult to fix it psychologically later or in a later stage. So this obedience of who is Allah, whatever they learn, in the, crucial in the first seven years. And the next three years, seven to ten, the Prophet is telling us that they need to be making salah. Obviously, they need to be punished at, at ten and separate their beds. So sex, sexuality, the, what is the aura, how much should you cover? This is, this is the injunction we're getting from the Prophet So we need to go back to the Quran and go back to the Hadith and see what are these what we, we need to instill in, in these children and instill early. Because if we don't, then this comes biting us. In, you know, Hadith tells us that uh, every one of you is a shepherd. Every one of you is going to be asked by Allah Ta'ala uh, concerning his, his, his sheep, his flock, meaning the children. So we need to be very, very, very uh, cognizant of the fact that children are our responsibility first and foremost before they even go to the school or to the sheikh or to anyone else. Then we need to instill into them uh, who Allah is first and foremost, and uh, who is the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and what is your deen. Early, as early as possible, we must not think that they are small children. If we be able to do that mm. earlier on, and they know who Allah is, and we instill that enough and correctly, you know, when, by the time they attain and they already know their deen and they're making their salah, we won't have problems in future salah. That, that's, one, that's how you see what was happening in the time of the Sahaba, the finding Sahaba like Ali, the uh, embracing Islam at a very early age of 10 and becoming one of the greatest Sahaba uh, uh, of all. You're finding people like uh, uh, Osama bin Zaid, uh, you know, becoming uh, the army general when he was only a teenager, 16 or 17, according to different narrations. And you ask yourself, how did, how did they achieve that? Because the Prophet Sallallahu was, was there and was guiding these people. So we need to follow in the footsteps of the Quran and the footsteps of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Raise our children, we should raise them and not look at Western norms of raising children, and then this, uh, uh, the problems will come back to us. May Allah help us all. Amen. Sheikh, another topic coming back to our children and being conscious and aware of their deen and their identity is we have a lot of parents looking towards private Catholic schools. Yes, yes. And often something that there's a lot of resources, there's extracurricular, the behavior and the adab of children coming up from these schools um, are mm. fantastic. So, look, I need to be sending my child there. Why mm. is this spiritually harmful? 
it is spiritually harmful because mm -hmm. yeah because it is it is we, we when we do that we we have sold them uh we have sold away their position from the ummah of rasulullah for the sake of the resources or whatever they they, they, they they get from these places you know like i was saying also mm. it, it goes back to the same problem of um following what the west is doing and what the west says so it is something if we uh take our children to catholic schools then what happens to their iman then? you know because for me uh and for every muslim really is the iman of our children should be our first priority what do they what do they know about allah and what do they know about uh, the day of judgment and what do they know about the prophet sallallahu who are their role models so when they go to the catholic school obviously they're going to learn uh, different role models from there because then uh, you know their mind is going to be filled in with lots of uh, non-islamic uh, things and they're going to grow up as obviously as, as non-muslim like i was saying this way the problem comes from when we don't look at the educational system and these children grow up and we say oh, no, my, my child doesn't want to become a muslim anymore his dean is weak because of the education system where we send him but remember what we we're saying that most of the times we don't even spend time with these children because we have to go to work which is a good fantastic thing because we need to take care of our families but then the little time that we have we cannot sacrifice it and send these children now to catholic schools rather uh they'll be around the schools that we we we, we, we can see what is happening we've got muslim schools around uh it's not muslim schools we can, we can homeschool our children which is according to me the best option uh at the moment and the last thing we can ever do worse than the public school is, is is a catholic school or any school that teaches anything directly uh opposing islam mm. Mm. absolutely uh Sheikh, we understand that your children may allah bless and protect them that they are homeschooled uh yes. what what changes have you made to their day so that you could include subjects uh, islamic subjects yeah. tell us a bit more please uh, but with me, with me, I'm a bit. Um, not, I, I'm not sure if everybody's going to follow uh, the way I, I, I personally teach my children because they start their class at father time, you know. So um, I got wow. a seven-year-old son, for example, who's the youngest that we have from schooling, and a 12-year-old girl to my daughter. So what we basically do is father time, the class is start. So we, that's how we inculcating spirituality into their lives. So we not uh taking out uh their practicals out of the curriculum so they have to wake up for father the way they make the wudu you know we see to eat with my wife that they uh, uh they're making wudu properly and all that that's part of their system they wake up making dua and all that and obviously we go in on the musanna we have to make sunnahs whatever the case is and uh, my son has to read his yikama and make the salah and after the salah the first thing that we do after that is obviously we're going into the Quran and we're going into the hymns, you know, until sunrise. That's how our day is already started. Then, obviously, mm -hmm. after that, breakfast and people to rest and make their beds, whatever the case is. And then my wife has to teach them normal times um, the other books that they are learning in the school, and including the Islamiyati, of course. And in the evening, mm -hmm. that's when I'm back from some work, we have to learn other Islamic uh, books. I have to check their news. And we have to learn other books as well, hadith, because story books that they read by themselves and they have to summarize and tell us what they learn from the you know, stories of, maybe they read the story about Imam Bukhari or Salahuddin al Ayyubi, you know, make it interesting so that it's not overburdening on them as well. They love for it. 
so sometimes they have to watch uh, this story on YouTube. Uh, we call Zaki, Zaki and Friends, for example, which is a very excellent resource, where they just, we tell them that they're relaxing, but I actually know that they're learning. So they watch that for one hour or two hours in the afternoon, but there's actually lessons in the, the later on they tell us about it. So that's basically what we have done so far. We're still chopping and, uh, and changing and testing it and there as we go along. Mm, how interesting, mashallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you and your wife and make this journey easy and successful for you and your children. Ameen. How about, how about Islam? You're an advocate for this. This is your field and your passion. Um, have you begun to teach them at an age-appropriate level the importance of mental health and well-being uh, as part of their homeschooling journey? Yes, that I, I, I teach my children everything. Um, they actually know part of my, my work and my wife is, uh, you know, we advocate for uh, mental health. So we actually tell them. Um, so, so how you teach children issues of, of mental health, uh, how you, you teach them is issues of emotional intelligence, emotional well-being. Um, say, for example, how they react to situations around them, um, how they react uh, when they're coming, becoming angry and all that in what is acceptable anger and what is not acceptable anger, we teach them these things obviously at an age-appropriate level. But I would actually say that I would be happier if I could, if I managed to really sit down sometime next year or so and make a curriculum, if not only for them, for other people who can, who can as well. You wait, wait, inculcate all this, you know, especially the emotional part of uh, children, emotional development is actually ignored in all the curriculums that I've seen. And uh, so we can teach children emotional regulation. I think it's very, very, very important because you see uh, anxious adults, uh, adults always on the edge, angry adults because the emotional regulation was not there uh, when they were young for some one reason or the other. And I think that needs to be uh, to be done in the schools, including mental health screening for kids as well, and the emotional regulation. And we tell them this is how you 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 can uh, this is allowed to express your emotions in this way and this is not allowed if this is what Islam says uh, when you get angry can you, uh, you know you, it's, it's, it's natural for you to become, become angry you know sit down lie down towels, you know and you explain to them why the Prophet Salafan said so what is the real psychology behind that of course at the age appropriate level and I think this that's still work that needs to be done may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make you a means of um, initiating such a project in our communities. It is so much needed, definitely. Uh, Sheikh, you know, uh, we've previously spoken to you about the book that you had published, Alhamdulillah. Uh, for our listeners who would like to get in touch with you for the book, for your speaking services or your consulting services, what's the easiest way for them to get in touch with you? Easiest is, I think everyone has WhatsApp. Some people have Facebook, some don't have so if you're on WhatsApp, uh, sorry, on Facebook, it's Saeed Malizani. You find Saeed Malizani or Saeed Malizani Foundation. That's a page. And on, on WhatsApp, mm-hmm. 061-420-4712. 061-420-4712. But if you don't find me on Facebook, uh, on Instagram, we're there as well. Or you can find me on on on, uh, on, uh, on WhatsApp. And we've already we also started a new project now. On, on mental health, a community project where we want Muslims to uh, benefit from mental health, you know, make it accessible, make it also uh, very, very affordable. And you can find also mm-hmm. that on, on our Facebook page. It's called Project Pawona. Pawona is in the Zoloid 
S-A-W-U-B-O-N-A. And you can find my contacts there as well. You can click on the WhatsApp, it comes straight to me, and we can discuss it. Alhamdulillah, fantastic initiatives, mashallah. Sheikh, your closing words, any nasiha, any advice for parents who are seriously uh, intending or beginning with homeschooling for their children, what would your words of advice be, your final words of advice be to Muslim parents? Uh, the parents who really want to uh, start homeschooling, I, I, I say to them, uh, definitely go for it. Uh, I've been uh, working for the past two years. I've been uh, involved in curriculum development, uh, where we were summarizing curriculum. And we have been seeing um, some issues with the curriculum. So obviously, if you're going to take your child to a non-Muslim school, it's the worst thing that you can do. That I, I will have to tell you. If you have to take your children to a Muslim school. Yeah, that's something that you can do because obviously they're learning some akhlaq and all that. But homeschooling now, right now, to tell you the truth, is the best option that I think there is because then you can be able to see what your children are learning and you can be able to discuss with the homeschooler what you need your, your children to be um, uh, to, to be taught, obviously. But if your children, if your child is in a good Muslim school, that's a very good way also to uh, to carry on with your children. And I would like to advise parents that, you know, the role of parenting is, is, is on our shoulders. It's not for the sheikh or the teachers. Uh, mm. He's asking the, why my child is underperforming or asking the sheikh uh, why my child is not is not hearing well. Uh, you start sending a child to Iraqi and to this Amin sheikh and that sheikh, you know. It's our role first, first and foremost. And secondly, we need to understand what education is. Uh, when we are educating our children, it's in Serbia. It's not just for them to get a degree at the end of the day. It's what shapes them. And Allah is going to ask them and Allah is going to ask us uh, what we actually put in into our children. So I know that we, in our families, including myself, both parents have to go to work, right? Um, but we need to get uh, some time to really sit with our children, know what they are learning, see if we are shaping the right character into them because they can become doctors and lawyers and all these good things. But if they don't have a flag, then we really don't have any, they've achieved nothing. Rather, you have a child who's got a, a just an average job, uh, earning an average salary, but with the best of akhlaq, and that will stand for him and will help him uh, in the court of Allah on the day of Qiyamah, and also be, you'll, be, you'll, you'll also be a happy person. You know, in the Quran, we taught this to her, uh, that when Allah speaks about the Ibad al-Rahman, the Surah Al-Quran, it says, there are those people who say, uh, they say that our, our Rabb grant us from our wives and our progeny, uh, those who are the coolness of our eyes. You know, in, in, and that is what every parent dreams of, to have our children to be the coolness of our eyes. When we look at them, we are happy with them. The community is happy with them. Everybody is happy with them. And if the parent is happy with the child, obviously Allah is happy with the child. But we have a responsibility to make them those good children also in being happy with them becomes a return to us. You know, those are part of the returns to us. We ask Allah that Allah, you know, uh, grant us our best. We know we all try. Nobody misses their children on purpose. You know, we all try our best. But we ask Allah that it makes us, it makes it easy for us. It's not easy to parent the children and to educate them. But we, we, we hope that Allah Taala makes it easy for everybody who's struggling with their children right now and struggling with education. Allah make it easy for us. Amin, Ya Rabbi. Amin. Sheikh Saeed, Jazakumullah Khair for your time, uh, for sharing with us such insightful 
um, you know, getting this understanding about what it means to homeschool our children, this amana of their education, of nurturing them and their minds, and just your own journey of it has been so inspiring, mashallah. And I have no doubt that many of our listeners will be inspired to connect with you, to be part of the Sabona Initiative Project, and to benefit from um, the, the projects that you'll be working on to bring Islamic homeschooling out into our communities soon, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you barakah, your health, your strength, your good deeds, and continue to use you to serve the Ummah of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Jazakumullah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. On the program today, we have been speaking to and hearing from Sheikh Saeed Malizani. Sheikh is an author, psychotherapist, Islamic psychology practitioner, educationist, and consultant on the topic of the Islamic homeschooling system. The program will be up on podcast so you can play back and listen to the program and share the link with others so that together we can create awareness and we can create changes, bring about these changes in our homes, in our children's lives and in their education system. We're going to go for an ad break and when we return on the other side of this, our closing reflection for today. Do stay with us. Alhamdulillah, before the break, we heard from Sheikh Saeed Malizani on the Islamic homeschooling system. Uh, details were included in the podcast, so you can play back to that to be in touch with our guest to benefit from his publication and from his initiatives, inshallah. We are now sharing more as we bring the program to a conclusion for today on the rights of children on parents in Islam and quite fitting given the topic of Islamic education or education in general and nurturing the hearts and minds of our children. In Surah Al-Furqan, we learn a dua in Surah Furqan, which is Surah 25, Ayah 74 wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us and those who pray our Lord grant unto us wives and offspring who will be a comfort of our eyes and give us the grace to lead the righteous and in Surah Al-Kahf Surah 18 Ayah 46 where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us children are one of the joys of life uh, well basically the ayah is wealth and sons are allurements of the life of this world and so here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that children are one of the joys that we ask Allah to grant us for. So children are the delight of our hearts in our childhood, our companions, our comfort in old age, and the source of dua in our graves. All in all, our children are the means by which we earn the fruits of this life and the reward of the akhirah. And so as Muslims, we have a responsibility towards our children. They stand accountable for these responsibilities so that we can enjoy and appreciate the blessings of having children and get rewarded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The adult of today was the child of yesterday and the child of today is the adult of tomorrow. And in order for children to fulfill their responsibility towards their parents, they must first get their rights from their parents. And so as Muslim parents, we should teach our children all about Islam. And as Sheikh Malizani mentioned, show them how to worship Allah. We should guide our children to the stairways of Jannah. We should be protecting our children from falling into the fire of hell. 
and it is the responsibility of parents to provide their children with the environment and the tools to learn all about Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Tahrim, Surah 66, Ayah number 6, O you who believe, save yourselves and your families from a fire whose fuel is men and stones. Islam is the most just way of life in which the rights of each soul is granted. When a man chooses his wife, it is top priority for him to choose someone who has the characteristics of being a good mother. And so it is that the pregnant or nursing mother should take care of her health and her nutrition so that she can pass that good health to her child. Upon the birth of the child, children have all of their rights automatically in effect. Feeding, clothing, health care, even the celebration of birth through the aqiqah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah 2, Ayah 233, of which means mothers should feed their children for two whole years, that is, for those who wish to complete the suckling term. The cost of their food and clothing on equitable terms is upon the father of the child. Also, Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam advised us to give each child a name with a good meaning. Motherhood and fatherhood are instincts that Allah has blessed us with. And the love of a child or our children is built into our hearts even before they are born. Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam instructed us to show our love to our children. Wherein he said, and this is mentioned at Tirmidhi, he is not one of us who does not have mercy for children and respect for our seniors. At-Tirmidhi. And it is reported that Al-Aqra ibn Habis saw Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kissing his grandchild and said to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I have ten children, but I have never kissed any one of them. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to him, He who does not show mercy, meaning towards his children, no mercy would be shown to him. This hadith is mentioned in Al-Bukhari. Also, a Bedouin man asked Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Do you kiss your sons? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam replied, Yes. And the Bedouin replied, We do not. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to him, What can I do for you if Allah has removed mercy from your heart? Hadith is recorded in Al-Bukhari. Islamic law has given children the right to a good life and ordered the father to guarantee them the resources that can make them live well. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, The best penny a man spends is that on his children, on his camel for the sake of Allah, and on his friends for the sake of Allah. Even in the cases of divorce, fathers are asked to be fully responsible for their children regarding their food, 
clothing, education, and health expenses according to the father's standard of life. In Surah At-Talaq, Surah 65, Ayah 7, we learn, Let the man of means spend according to his means, and the man whose resources are restricted, let him spend according to what Allah has given him. Allah puts no burden on any person beyond what he has given him. After a difficulty, Allah will soon grant relief. The Quran Kareem also states that children have the right to inherit from the day of their birth. Muslims who fear Allah in their hearts and are keen to earn Allah's satisfaction should treat their children equally. Justice, in particular social justice, is a major theme in Islam which was revealed in a time when justice was lacking. Islam's teachings and rulings restored social justice in the tribal societies at the time. Muslims who fear Allah in their hearts and are keen to earn Allah's satisfaction should treat their children equally, not favoring one over the other in spending, treatment, or giving gifts to them. Children are a blessing from Allah, and to thank Allah for such a blessing, parents should fulfill the duties Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prescribed on them towards their children. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those who are able to fulfill the rights of our children. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those who turn to, to him and the example of his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to be able to implement the teachings of Islam all throughout our lives. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those who are equal and just with our children. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those who fulfill the rights of our children. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us those who are parents who are blessings to our children and they are blessings to us both in this dunya and the akhirah. In this time, day and age that we live in, where there are so many tests and tribulations, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy upon us to fulfill all these rights, all these requirements and the responsibilities. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us all throughout our parenting journeys. Our parenting journeys do not just end in this dunya, but really the fruits of it can be felt and experienced, inshallah, in the akhirah. And that parenting duties go beyond just parenting of our children when they are small, but continuously nurturing them, taking care of them in their teenage and their adult years as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those who turn to Quran and Sunnah to be guided in our parenting journey and make the journey easy, joyful, happy, peaceful, full of barakah for parents and children. And may Allah forgive our shortcomings and errors on this journey. Ameen. That brings us to the close of this week's edition of the program. Do join us next week as we continue exploring our legacies. 
Until then, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.